Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, your episode 31 starts now. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Peter Davis, joined today by Jamie Jirac. Good morning. Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody. And Jim Viscardi. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. And the triple. Oh, hello. The three of you. I'm just over here with my B. What a weirdo I am here. Uh, Welcome to the show. Cool show today. We are going to talk about the first episode of What If. In the second half of the show, full spoilers. If you're worried about animated spoilers, they are coming. Well, we won't be animated. Our spoilers are in live action. But they are spoiling an animated show. Those are going to be after our break. So if you haven't watched yet, you're welcome to stay with us. I want to welcome Fabio B2289, who is joining us live for the first time. Always listens in podcast form. You're still obligated to download the podcast. That listen counts, okay? With this episode i'm making a prediction here based on the trending uh numbers that we get we're going to surpass half a million listens to the podcast with this episode so thank you all phase zero nation for getting us to that milestone the journey to a million continues let's go (laughs) let's go uh i have what else do we have today uh, we're going to talk about hugh jack we're going to talk about james gunn we're going to talk about movie delays on next week's show I'm going to talk about Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, because mm-hmm. I'm seeing it on Monday night. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, I might even see it twice by this time next week. So I'm, very, I'm seeing very, it next Wednesday, excited. so I'll just miss it for the podcast. That's okay. I'll spoil it for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm just kidding. I will not. I absolutely will not. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but we're going to start with some MCU news as we do here on Phase Zero. First of all, the biggest news of the week, if you ask me, is that Aaron is here on the podcast. <laughs> How are you doing? Yay. We had a technical issue with Aaron. We're happy Aaron is on the show, the wise one. Uh, all right, we're going to roll into the news. Hugh Jackman addressed the Wolverine rumors. Uh, Jamie talked to Hugh Jackman. We're going to get to that in a second. That's cool as hell. But first of all, he talked to my buddy Jake Hamilton uh, from Fox Chicago. Jake outright asks you, you know, they're doing variants, they're doing multiverse. Is there any story that can bring you back to Logan and Wolverine for another Marvel movie? And and Hugh Jackman said, Kevin Feige's not in his inbox. He said there's two, Kevin Feige has to reach out and Ryan Reynolds has to stop reaching out. So by the sounds of this, I believe Hugh Jackman, um, I don't think... He, he has reprised Wolverine for a multiverse story, yet I don't believe there are plans for it yet. Uh, I mean, is Kevin and, Feige the email kind of guy? 
I feel like I he's know. more maybe a cell phone kind of guy <laughs> or a text message guy, maybe WhatsApp. I don't think he's an email guy. Or he just like so shows up with an armored van outside your house. Yes. Like there are right. a lot of ways he can reach people. Yeah, but yeah, see, no, across probably. the board, we're learning though. There's the, I mean, Feige might just not be a communication guy at all because Andrew Garfield didn't get a call. <laughs> Hugh Jackman hasn't gotten an email. I, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Uh, but no, I believe this one. I don't believe that. I think Hugh Jackman, he talked in detail about how going into Logan, he really believed that that was his, his final outing as Wolverine. It gave him a great like headspace to play the role. Uh, and I just, I would love to see him back for like a secret wars, but it also feels like he might be done and that's okay. It's but tough I, because he, he is like, it's like you want him back so bad, but Logan really was the way, perfect way to go. It's so hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I'm on that same train with Downey as Iron Man. I think he had a great send off. I think Hugh Jackman's Logan was such a, him and James Mangold made such an awesome movie. Yeah, uh, but we know Robert Downey Jr.'s not done. That's the, I think that's the, that's the difference. He's coming back. He's voicing AI. He's he's voicing AI. You know that's going to happen. He is going to sh- either show back up in a in a flashback. He's going to be re maybe be, help be re-re's at like AI for a little bit. There are so many ways for Robert Downey Jr. to to come back, not as like current living breathing Iron Man going on adventures, but like flashbacks and all sorts of other stuff that like, I am I am not buying the RDJ is done with Iron Man. I mean, that he's, would he's, be. He signed a he, he signed a Marvel Legends contract, basically, right? Like you know, when uh, all the old time wrestlers come out for like two or three uh, appearances leading up to WrestleMania, that's what uh, that's what Robert Downey's going to do leading up to Secret Wars. I personally don't. I think he might be done. Like, I genuinely would be more surprised to see him back than I would to not see him back. But it would be the most Tony Stark thing Robert Downey Jr. could ever do <laughs> if he put himself in the Ironheart series as the AI. But uh, yeah, so. That's and Jamie talked to Hugh Jackman. Jamie, I don't want to. You, I want you to tell this story. Oh gosh, what a delightful human being! That was a big deal for me, just because you know X Men was my the movie was my introduction to Marvel. So he's Hugh Jackman's like the reason I'm here today. So that was really cool. Um, but I did ask him about the day that he posted that Wolverine art and a picture of Kevin Feige and kind of broke the internet. And it was kind of so pure because he was just like, I didn't. I didn't mean to do that. I was like, I was just trying to share fan art. I like fan art. Um, he and he's, he said, "You guys are all smarter than me because it didn't occur to me to to uh, to not do that." So uh, so I, I I and I believed him. I really don't think he was teasing anything. I think he was just having some fun, um, and so that was great. And then he made fun of my energy, which uh, I will take to the grave forever. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> that was really fun. So uh, yeah, that that's up now. If you want to watch it. I appreciate you um, not doing a Hugh Jackman accent like I would have done. Oh, no. Because it would have just been so insulting. But it's, it's a good thing you talked to him and not me. Uh, you guys can find that interview on comicbook.com. I'm actually going to – we have we have a link to Jake's interview with Hugh and the clip of him asking about it on the Phase Zero Twitter. I'm also going to find the clip of, uh, of Jamie and get that clipped out and tweet that from Phase Zero so you can see that bit as well. And then you can go watch the full interview, which I always encourage. Uh, and yeah, that's enough Hugh Jackman talk. I think we all agree. He might not be back, but there's always a chance. Moving on. 
Speaking of characters who may or may not come back, um, James Gunn did an interview with Entertainment Tonight where he basically said, comparing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 to the Suicide Squad, he said, there is, quote, a much bigger sense of danger for all of our characters in the Suicide Squad because we know all of them could die, whereas in Guardians, yes, obviously I killed Yondu, I killed the big original group, but that isn't the same thing. We know most of them are going to make it out, of lo- out alive, at least for two movies. That's the scary part. Yeah, I know. I saw this the other day and I was like, he he should not have said that. Like, I'm very curious what he means by that. Um, either way, I know Rocket Raccoon's probably death in volume R- three is going to R- ask R- kill me. I know. Like after now that the world has seen the Suicide Squad, I, I think that people will agree, like however he kills off Rocket is going to like be a gut punch of emotion. So, but I'm, now I'm curious after this comment, like if he means other characters might die too. So I was curious what like all of y'all think about that. Aaron, you haven't had much time to talk yet today. I want to hear from you. Uh, after I, I want to give some space after the Suicide Squad, because of course we think, oh, everybody's just going to get it. Everybody's just <laughs> going to absolutely bite it in the most crushing way possible. I think that in our household, there was a minimum of like eight oh my gods uttered over the course of the screening, just like, oh no, like what? No. And people you didn't even have any like real crazy emotional connection to before the movie. So you can only imagine after all these adventures with the Guardians, it's going to be sad. It's going to be really sad. Let's yeah. not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am on that, that train of like, well, go, well Rocket's going to be the one to go, right? But I, I remember going into Endgame and being like, well, Cap is the one who's going to go. They're not going to kill Iron Man. And they both kind of went, but really they killed Iron Man and Cap is, was still alive. So I kind of feel like maybe that's what's going to happen here. Maybe we're all expecting Rocket and someone else is going to go. But they already killed well, Gamora once. But, they already killed has, Nebula Gun once. Gunn has said that like Guardians 3 is very much Rocket's movie. Mm-hmm. And like the, the finishing of Rocket's story. And I mean, I just... And I don't want it to happen, but that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> I think Drax is going to go. I can see that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to be Rocket, only because people have a really people get really upset about animals, and even that's though he's true. Like not yeah. a total animal, and he's CGI and whatever, and and I I, I see some major backlash of that choice, um, <laughs> and I I see Drax going just because. Of everything Dave Batista is constantly saying, yeah. like, okay, well, you could just be done then. How about that? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I think it would also be fulfilling for Drax, like if there is a moment where like somebody needs to sacrifice himself, like he could be like, I will see. It'll be like Yinsen in the first Iron Man. Like it'll be like I get to see my family again. So yeah. I could definitely see Drax being the one who kind of pulls the Iron Man and, and and lays down on a wire and and makes the sacrifice play uh, that that Cap made in in the first Captain America movie that Iron Man made in. In Endgame, and, and I think uh, I don't know Dave Batista. <laughs> yeah, Drax, I can see him Drax getting destroyed. <laughs> oh, Get Jim Biscardi, you were sitting on that one for so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, well, I want to talk about the fact that the Suicide Squad did not perform exceptionally well this weekend. It's and a that's a weird it's a weird thing to to kind of unpack here, right? Because you gotta rem- you gotta remember. It's rated R, so that already has it, you know, working. It's you know, working against it for for just people going to theaters. Yes, kids are going to sneak into uh, the movie theater and and whatever. But like, okay, pandemic still a thing. You can get it for free with your HBO Max, like you know, subscription, and that's 
there is so much unevenness in the media landscape right now. Like as far as different ways you can get your media that it's hard to quantify what feels like a success or not. Now for us, I think the, the best way to determine success right now in the grand scheme of things is more word of mouth. And like, yes. are people talking about it? Are people talking about it past the first, uh, the first opening weekend? And if people are, then okay, maybe it's got some legs. If not, then I would say probably not a success. And I wonder if like what people are seeing now with putting these, this stuff on streaming is kind of like that, that weird Netflix effect that we hate so much, right? When like binge stuff happens and you watch it for over the weekend and then you forget about it because you're already moving on to, to something else where before, but in, in the good times, like people didn't, a lot of people went to go see movies on opening weekend, but a lot of people also went to go see movies on the second weekend. And you don't have, you know, that doesn't exist now because there's not any of that opportunity or whatever and like what and whatnot. And so um, like, look, jungle, you could say the same thing, about jungle. nobody is talking about jungle cruise had an, had an okay opening weekend, but no one's talking about it. And like, I don't think Disney would be happy with like, would be happy with that. And so like, there's, I think there's a number of factors that play there. The fact that uh, it, according to, you know, to, I think some sources that suicide squad uh, opened behind mortal Kombat uh, as far as HBO max plays go has me surprised. Um, that's the but, thing. That's, that's the thing that makes it all very weird to me, but okay. But here, if you try to explain suicide squad to a normal person, they have no idea. Like that, that is a hard plot line to try to explain, right? Mortal Kombat. Hold on. I want to hear Jamie. I want to hear Jamie. I'm just curious. I'm just curious how much it was advertised about HBO Max. Like it is literally our job to know this. We talk about it being on HBO Mm -hmm. Max like every day, but I called my mom the other day and I was like, have you watched suicide squad yet? And she goes, Jamie, you know, I'm not, I'm too afraid to go to the movies. And I was like, Mm -hmm. nah, mom. It's on HBO Max. And she she freaked out. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, I have plans tonight. I'm so excited. I'm going to watch a Suicide Squad. My mom had no idea that that was even an option. So My mom I, said I, the same exact thing. I had to explain to her. Mom like, too. Yeah, I had to explain to her because we went to see it in theaters on, on like that Friday. And she was like, but why? It's at home. And I was like, I wanted to like have my boyfriend see it in theaters for the first time. But then we wanted to rewatch it at home over and over again. And I also think part of the caveat with HBO Max numbers is that like you're not necessarily counting the number of people who are sitting in front of a screen when something is pressing play yes, like I think that I think that just because it is slightly beyond or behind Mortal Kombat doesn't mean that you don't have necessarily more people watching it there could be like larger like groups of friends or families that are all sitting down and watching it as opposed to that might not have been the case with Mortal Kombat so I think like the numbers we're just in this uncharted territory of not being able to like quantify a lot of this and I think that's why it's so confusing from our perspective well yeah, some of it was a bad movie oh, go ahead <laughs> So I love Mortal Kombat. You should like <laughs> <laughs> that movie was not good. As someone who's had to watch these like streaming projects and try to figure out how any of these places makes the sort of decisions on what gets renewed, what gets cut loose, what is a success in the arena, uh, I think that the Suicide Squad social engagement looks about in line with some of the other streaming favorites like. Stranger Things or Lucifer or any of the DC shows that are on HBO Max that started out on DC Universe. So I guess it's a success in that. But I know that for some people that are making decisions at the top, that probably does not hold the same weight 
when you're spending the kind of money they spent on the Suicide Squad to make it. There's a very, very large gulf. I think this was the the only movie that did not move, right? Like, it just did not move on the schedule. It's always been this date. And so it's interesting. So those... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Beanie. Well, the interesting thing that I want that I'm trying to get to here is that the like the box office obviously was an underperformance. I think under normal circumstances yeah. in a theatrical only environment, this is an 80 to 100 million dollar opening weekend. It landed at 26. It also landed behind Mortal Kombat on HBO Max. So you look at the box office and you say, well, yes, that is a factor of the pandemic. That is a factor of at home for free. Like that, or that is a result of it being at home for free. But then you look at the fact that it finished at second, and I'm like, well, maybe the box office isn't like maybe this just wasn't marketed that well. Maybe there just wasn't an interest because people couldn't tell it apart from a movie they already watched and didn't like. I went to see it with my roommate's girlfriend and a couple people, and one of the my roommate's girlfriend was like, well, isn't is this like a Marvel movie or is this just like what is this? I, like she didn't know what it was. My mom didn't know it was on HBO Max, so I think that there's some sort of disconnect in the marketing. But the point is that. Does with all of those things considered about how overall, even on HBO Max, it didn't do gangbuster numbers like a lot of us thought it would. Can these studios that are releasing Spider-Man and Venom and these other upcoming films and Bond look at it and say, well, should we hold? Because just like last week, we were having this conversation about Spider-Man No Way Home. Is it going to get delayed? The Suicide Squad drastically underperformed at the box office. There's no question about it. There are factors in that, but there's absolutely no question. Twenty six million is a devastatingly bad opening weekend. If if HBO Max is not a huge like if this isn't a huge growth point for the for the for the like, yeah, for the IP overall. Yeah. So they look at that because you could say all eyes on free guy, but free guy is never a movie we expected to perform very well, even though it's getting fantastic reviews. It was never a movie we expected to be a hundred million dollar opening weekend or in the conversation of Venom or Bond or Spider-Man in the first place. So does that box office like like where like Shang-Chi is it's really free guy and Shang-Chi, I think, that are now going to determine whether Venom and Spider-Man make their release dates. Well, they pulled the only in theaters from the Shang-Chi marketing. Now Mm -hmm. it says now it just says in theaters Mm -hmm. and so i almost wonder if they're going to look at free guy and then and then make the decision after that which which i think is an un like you for all the reasons you just mentioned is potentially an unfair uh comparison because i think there's a lot of things going for free guy like you can say like oh it's a it's another ryan reynolds movie and i think ryan reynolds is at the level now that like you can say like going to see a ryan reynolds movie is like going to see a movie that the rock is in or going to see a movie that you know whoever is in i think he's he is at that level and so but it's it's different in the sense that like the audiences are just are, are, are pretty different and so if they're going to judge this off that to then make the decision on uh, on Shang Chi, I mean that, that that's where it's going to get interesting. And I think if Shang Chi goes, dig, I'm going to call it now. If Shang Chi goes digital, that increases our odds a lot for Venom moving. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I mean, I think yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a very clear connection that I think is going to be made. Uh, and I, I'm really interested to see if Shang Chi goes goes to Disney Plus premiere access or if it stays theatrical only. 
I don't. I also just don't see the buzz around Shang Chi like you do around Marvel movies usually, which yeah. is weird to me. I do think it's a sign of the times where people are just not focused on entertainment like this. Like I think under normal circumstances, Shang Chi would have felt like a much more of an event. But I feel like in our world, in our bubble, we are all very excited. But I'm not seeing a lot of buzz. My friends don't know about it. Like this. Ha- this of- has happened. This has happened before though, and like like and I just you know using using our own website traffic data as uh, as basis for this right when Doctor Strange was about to come out no one cared about that movie nobody like it got it it had zero buzz no there was no real excitement for it once that movie came out gangbusters like everyone cared about Doctor Strange every story we did explaining things and doing all that stuff like did great I suspect we'll get the same here with Shang-Chi the question though is like it's if it, it you know screens to a smaller audience that's where it you know it gets a little that's where it gets a little hairy but like i wouldn't necessarily say the pre like the pre-buzz for these marvel movies is necessarily work against them because because ant-man's ant-man was the same way go ahead jamie yeah it's just been a really long time since we've had a a new marvel movie where we didn't know a single existing character Mm -hmm. from something else exactly and and i think that that like we've gotten so used to like our favorites coming back and uh and so i think you're right i think once the movie comes out as long as it's good which i am i imagine it will be um i think you're right i think it's going to boost it up a bit but it's just i think it's hard to get excited for some people when when they don't know any characters if they haven't yeah. read any comics. Or- I was talking point. to my boyfriend about that the other day because we were talking about the trailers and like if we were somebody who knew nothing about this corner of the Marvel Universe, like what would we glean from the trailers? And it's like seeing the Abomination and Wong fight in IMAX, it happens so quick that if I'm not paying attention and if I'm somebody who doesn't know who either of those characters are, that moment means nothing to me. So it's like even the kind of grab of like nostalgia that they gave to us when that trailer came out doesn't really land the same if you're a complete normal person watching it in a theater so i don't know what the audience reaction is going to be to this like leading into it Uh, that's that's a really good point that this is the first true origin story of all new characters in a while so it it doesn't have that same kind of oh it's captain america it's black widow it's thor uh type of buzz like a a sequel usually does uh but i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how the suicide squad and free guy affect Shang-Chi, affect Spider-Man, and affect Venom. Venom, let there be carnage, already delayed to October 14th earlier this week in New Zealand. So we'll see what happens there because Sony does not have a streaming service. So we'll see. That's only like a week, though. Right for Venom, two months original was, in New Zealand. Yeah, I think it's weeks. like it late September September. 20- yeah, September twenty, oh, okay. September twenty fifth. Yeah. So or September twenty fourth or something. So that's a few weeks. So that's interesting. But um. Uh, yeah, there there is already Venom three talk happening though. Yeah, so Tom Hardy talked to Esquire and he said, quote, I'm thinking about the third movie as well because I think you need to write that at the same time. A third won't be greenlit until the second is successful, but the studio was really, really pleased with number two. Which, like, I just, I I have to say, I love Tom Hardy just taking such a weird ownership of this character. Like, I love that he has, like, almost a writing credit on the sequel. I love that he's, like, a producer. Like, his ownership of this is very funny to me and just very fascinating. So, like, what do you guys think about potentially getting a Venom 3? Man, I can't wait to be talking about Venom 9. <laughs> it's going to be the new Fast and Furious. <laughs> Take Venom to, to the moon. Just do anything. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I didn't hate the first movie. I didn't think it was like great, but I had a really fun time watching it. I thought the third act felt kind of dated. Like mm-hmm. I felt like if that movie came out 10 years ago, it would have been excellent. 
but this sequel looks fantastic with that recent trailer. Andy Circus directing is great. I'm here for it. And I think eventually they're going to find ways to work in the multiverse and you're going to get a Spider-Man in there and you're going to get more Spider-Verse stuff going on in the, in the, in the universe that Venom launched. So I'm, I'm for it. I'm, I, I'm okay with it. I like dig it. Anyone, I, I, why, does anyone not want that? <laughs> no, I mean, we talked about it the other week. Yeah. I, I love the trailer. I think the trailer for Venom, the, the most recent trailer we got for Venom two is so much fun. And so like, I'm give me all the Venom. What are we going really to do when like Andrew Garfield? Movie, so. <laughs> what are we going to do when Andrew Garfield shows up in Venom? Let there be carnage, and it's just part of that uh, universe. That would be amazing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Jamie's not a uh, that made Jamie feel <laughs> crazy. No, we're not. We're not getting Venom Nine if that happens. <laughs> All right, we got a little bit more news. We're going to take a really quick break and come back for a couple, bit, couple more bits of news, and then. We're going to dive into the first episode of What If with you all. See you in just a second. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the program. We have some updates about MCU productions that I know Jamie is excited about, so I'm going to let her take it. Yeah, we've got the Marvels and Secret Invasion currently filming. Brie Larson talked about being on the set of the Marvels on live. We got Samuel L. Jackson posting a photo with his fake beard, and he had a shirt with the Carol pager. And uh, so the big question, you guys, is, is it a coincidence that these two things are filming at the same time? I don't know. Oh, Aaron, what do you think? Um, man, I'm I'm just excited to see all this other stuff still going in production because then hopefully we don't get the entire timeline shifted back a year mm-hmm. like we've all been talking about. Um, I'm I want to see what happens with this movie, but I am also like Jenna. You you can attest to this too. Aren't you worried about Kamala? I want to know what's going on before I invest right. too much love into this. Right. I'm I'm hopeful with Kamala. Like I think that they. I think that the way that she is going to be introduced, and I think like just seeing her play off of Carol and Monica is going to be very very satisfying. So like I'm just excited for that. With like the Marvels and Secret Invasion of it all, I'm just kind of like what cast members are going to cross over into the Marvels because it's like it seems like they could very easily just kind of have some sort of overlap there. That would be really cool. So, I don't know, I'm excited that they're both filming. I feel like that's kind of deliberate on Marvel's part probably. Has Isn't it- to be. Isn't it nice not to know the entire cast and all the stuff that's coming out too? That's also going to be fun, right? Where we're not like talking about like the deep lore of the movie before it, we get a trailer. 
hi, Sony person who's watching this. Um, <laughs> oh, the shade. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I think it's cool that they're filming them simultaneously and that we don't know anything about them. Do you think, do you guys think Carol's going to show up in Miss Marvel on Disney Plus? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Has to. Uh, Without a doubt. I mean, well, okay, we said that about Doctor Strange. Okay, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, Doctor Strange was supposed to show up. Yes. But they but they cut him out. But I I I don't know. I think we see Carol stuff. I don't know if we see Carol. There's that you scene in the Miss Marvel comic where they're on the rooftop, like meeting for the first time. And I'm like, you you have to do some variation of that, either at the end of her show or at the beginning of the Marvels. Like that has to be a thing that you can kind of do to establish their dynamics. So I, I feel like it's also Doctor Strange relating to Scarlet Witch's origin mm-hmm. story is drastically different from like Captain yeah. Marvel setting up Miss Marvel's origin story. So I feel like you kind of have to include her. I will say too, Brie Larson been lifted for like three months now. She's been lifted a lot. If you on yeah. Instagram, you see her just with Tyler throwing the plates around. Yeah. So she's obviously in shape to be in the suit and be in character and stuff. She could have already done this. We just don't know. And they could also have filmed a scene for Miss Marvel on the set of the Marvels. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, they could get away with it. But yeah, but isn't Kamala in the movie? Yes. Right? Like, yeah, yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's my oh, point. Well, is they could have filmed oh, something yeah. there to put into the end of the uh, the Marvels. I mean, it, they've they've def- they've had post credit scenes directed like wasn't Thor: The Dark World's post credit scene directed by James Gunn. Mm-hmm. So they've they've done stuff like that before. Uh, the last bit of news: the Shang Chi runtime seems to have been revealed as two hours and twelve minutes, which you will be watching in theaters and maybe on Disney Plus. For comparison, the first Iron Man is two hours and six minutes. The first Avengers is two hours twenty three minutes. The first Guardians is two hours and one minute. Civil War was 227. Doctor Strange is 155. And right, the closest that I could see in my quick prep for this show this morning was that Spider-Man Homecoming is two hours and 10 minutes. So that's a pretty good gauge of how long Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is. Now we're, we're on to What If. The first episode is available now on Disney+. Plus. If you have not watched it, we're going full spoilers for... The premiere episode. We're going to go around with our reactions as we do. We're going to get a bonus reaction because we have five people today. Jenna, you're at the top. The rules don't change. All what right. What if? I enjoyed it. I like after hearing you and Jim's reaction last week, I was kind of going in just like I, I wasn't uncertain, but I was just kind of waiting to see. And I think that it there is so much of it that I liked that the couple aspects that I didn't like kind of were vastly outweighed. I'm still not entirely sold on the animation style. I do think there are moments where it is a little more wooden than it probably could be. But I appreciate just like from an artistic aesthetic standpoint and from also like a fight choreography standpoint, I think the fight sequences in this episode really kind of surprised me. So I enjoyed it. I'm just curious to kind of see what the progressive episodes bring. Jamie. Yeah. You know, it it wasn't this, I've only seen the first episode and it, it wasn't really for me, but as we discussed in the very first episode of phase zero, I don't really like the first Avenger. And this was just kind of an extension of that movie. I feel like once we get to different storylines, I'm going to love it. It's just this particular one wasn't really my style. However, I loved hearing some of these voices come back and you know I love me some beefy Peggy uh, up against (laughs) Scrawny Steve. That is a dynamic that I was really into. Uh, So it was was fun. It was just just my personal taste, not like the way I would have chosen to start the whole series. Jimmy V. 
<laughs> Look, I think the, the thing for me is that this episode felt too much like the first Avenger. And, and it was, it was too similar uh, for it to feel like it stood out in any way on its own. Like Captain Carter had so many of the same story beats that Steve had that like just it didn't feel like a dra- like like a drastic change that we were kind of promised, right? Like yes, we got Steve in a giant, you know, Iron Man suit, you know, suit kind of thing, but like but but as far as like Peggy goes, I would have liked to not have seen her follow the same path Steve did in, in the first Avenger and do and do things in a way that Peggy would have done. I also thought it was a little weird that they really kind of lingered on the like the fact that like Peggy's a woman and she can't do anything. And then like even when she becomes Cap, like they're just like, you know, that, that's still a fact like in a- Agent Carter, the show like it, it happened. And then like, boom, like she's often doing doing her own thing. So I'm like, oh, that was a, that was a it felt a little much, but I do have a theory. It's a Hold great on, one. save it, save it. Save yeah. It's a great one. Okay, save it, Aaron. You're up. Um, I really liked it. I sort of like uh, the first Avenger, so kind of all the the beats being really similar was fun. Uh, Scrawny Steve is is a delight. That would be really really funny to have if this had been like a live action thing to have. Chris <laughs> Evans is I'm Chris Evans, and Hulu has live sports on a small body <laughs> would have been great. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. I, I enjoyed it. I think that the setup for the second episode should be really interesting because if if it is what we all think it is, I would assume that we're going to get to Marvel Zombies quicker rather than later. That's like right when I could sink all my time into this stuff. So it should be fun. I, I'm I'm excited. I went into it like Jenna. I was like, is this first episode going to be for me? Because they sounded kind of underwhelmed by the first one. And then it warmed up over time. But I'm like, man, if it gets better, we, we're in there. <laughs> I'm with uh, I'm I'm with Jamie and Jim on this one. I wasn't a big fan of this episode by any means. I'm also not a big fan of Captain America, the first Avenger easily my least favorite of the three, but I feel like that's a common take of the three cat movies. But uh, I just didn't, th- I wasn't really, whoa, people like the, the first. Uh, it's Avengers my, it's my second than- favorite cap. I don't like, I was just I don't about like to Civil say, War. Yeah, I was, I'm like, Civil War yeah. is definitely my, like bottom my of my least ranking. Favorite. Yeah. You know, crazy. Civil War is one of my favorite <laughs> MCU Civil War movies. Rules. Such a good movie. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I just, it felt like you took the, the, this, the first Avenger, trimmed out an hour of it and, and just put Peggy Carter in Steve's role. And, and I can tell you the next two episodes aren't like that. Like, yes, this is a thing where it's like, well, what if a character was a different character? But the next two episodes are like, what if a character was a different character? How that would change everything where this was mm-hmm. just like, well, the same things happened, but it was just Peggy. And I, I agree with Jim. I thought like, I, I love like the kind of girl power thing they were going for, but it did feel kind of heavy handed and very kind of like, I don't know, nobody, change their opinion which i guess is part of that that era and the point the problem they were trying to point out but uh i feel like we could have given peggy a bit of respect by the end there put some respect on her name but i do think peggy's gonna be a character we see a lot more of and i think captain carter uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty interesting to see how she develops a relationship with the watcher going forward i know she's one of the characters that has a through line who won't be back right away in the next couple episodes but i think i i know she will be back so well, hopefully, uh, I know the next two episodes I liked a lot more. I thought episode two was a lot more entertaining than this one, and I thought episode th- I thought episode three was really surprising. Yeah, the third, uh, is, and, the third is my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, and it's not even close for me. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, and it's really interesting to see how people are reacting to this because usually 
we agree. We all have pretty similar opinions on this stuff. And we all kind of have just different levels of how much we like it. And I feel like this is the first time there's been like a Marvel thing that some of us are like, ah, I didn't like it. And other people are like, oh, I really did. So it's interesting. And Jim, you're, you're allowed to give your theory now. Go ahead. Well, I want to ask the group real quick, just like quick reactions. What did you guys think of the animation style? I think a lot of people seem to like be really hating on it. And that's fine if you don't like it. I, I thought it looked great. And I thought the action was super slick. Um, and I actually didn't mind the animation style. I kind of. I kind of like that cell animated, you know, animated cell kind of look uh, for stuff. So that like, that's just a, a pure, you know, artistic preference for me, but I'm curious to what you guys thought before I get into my big brain theory. I'll let Aaron go first since he's okay. top of it. Okay. Um, so I, I like cell shading a lot. Um, that's like my whole thing. I like Y2K aesthetic quite a great deal. Um, I wrote an entire slider for the site where people were joking around. That it looks like a uh, Spider-Man from MTV. From the MTV. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't mind that show. Although, you know, you watch what's on when you're that age. But still, <laughs> I, I thought it was fine. Jenna? I I agree. I think that there were moments where it looked breathtaking. Like I think that when it especially got like more just wider shots or like fight sequences and stuff, it was like, oh, this is really showing the potential of this animation style. I think it's more when it is just conversations and the way that the mouths are moving and the way that like the <laughs> shading on the faces and the way like the these sources of lighting just from like somebody who took cinematography classes in college, the sources of lighting in certain shots were like, this is wild. Like this is not how any lighting would work in the real world at all but like there was so much of it that did look pretty to me that i was like i can overlook these a couple moments where it looks really weird the animation was it didn't enhance my experience for sure but it also didn't detract from it for me i thought it was just fine uh that's kind of how i feel uh, yeah it, it's not like my preferred animation style but it's not bad like it's it's, it's pretty it's I, like I, I i appreciate everything jenna points out and uh, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. I very notoriously don't like the Star Wars animation show styles. I can't get mm -hmm. into that. And, and mm -hmm. this this is way more my speed because there's like a little bit of a throwback aspect to it. Like Aaron was saying with like Spider-Man and stuff. So with that, I appreciate more. But also it's just not like I honestly didn't watch this thinking about the anime. I'm somebody who's like all about dialogue and story. <laughs> and I, I really wasn't dwelling Same. on how it looked. Yeah, I like Brandon Moore said in the comments, uh, I like the animation style, but it took a minute to get used to. Mm -hmm. It definitely took me a minute to buy into the world through that animation style. Uh, Jim, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. So there's the scene where Peggy is fighting what looks like Shimagorath with the tentacles during like the whole big Red Skull fight or whatever. And like, so she goes through, she goes through the portal. Now, inevitably, at the end of the episode, she comes back out, you know, after the fact. But I venture to guess that in the time that she is in that portal, she makes a stop somewhere else and then gets put back and then comes back and finishes her episode. What they should have done was show that at the end of this episode to give us a hook, because I feel like a lot of people are not going to be hooked. But anyway, I think you're right. I like Maybe. that's where I think whether it's Doctor Strange, whether mm -hmm. it is in just another episode of What If or whatever. But I think that moment is the through line to get uh, is the start of Peggy's through line, because I think it's that's the it. Not only do you get the comparison, obviously, for the, you know, or, or the, you get the events of stuff that happened in the first Avenger, um, but it also is Steve's journey, you know, with uh, uh, 
you know, what he did in Endgame. And so I think Peggy goes, does a whole bunch of stuff, and then comes back. And I, I hope to God that that is Shumagorath because, man, I need that one-eyed tentacle monster to show up in the MCU like no one's business. I have good news and bad news. <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly certain Shumagorath is in Doctor Strange too, but the writer of What If said that was an obelisk as seen in the opening scene of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh. So, hate to rain on your parade today, but you will get your wish later, I believe. That's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, hey, maybe they're just playing coy. I just need to basically put this out there. In a recent issue of Savage, Savage Avengers, Doctor Strange microwaved uh, Shumagorath and made him explode yeah. in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Classic. Great. Yep. Savage. Mm-hmm. I think anyway. it's hilarious how we are not believing people who say stuff like, like AC Bradley said, that's an obelisk. Uh, Hugh Jackman said he's not coming back as Wolverine. And, ju- and just after last week's show, as Aaron said, what's going to be the bomb that drops after, after we wrap, there was a photo of Kirsten Dunst and supposedly Deborah Ann Wool, who play, <laughs> plays uh, uh, Karen on, on, uh, daredevil uh but we all were she was like that's not me and we were all like yeah right yes it is and then we had to see a picture of that same woman without a mask on to believe it like we just don't even believe these people anymore. the amount of people who spent time that day trying to figure out like the shape of her ear and trying to like <laughs> discern all of that i was like wow yeah. we are desperate for information about no way home like it is <laughs> insane at this point there were people who thought that uh uh uh, Jamie, you interviewed her for 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 WandaVision. The, yeah, they thought that um, oh. Caulfield was was oh, yeah. Elder Johansson or something. And Evan Peters, I saw people saying yeah. it was Evan Peters with a wig on. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. I remember the Evan Peters with a wig. Yep. Mephisto confirmed. Uh, a couple Easter eggs I wanted to point out. So if you guys have anything else to, to talk about in the comment section, drop your comments about what if we will talk about them. And if anybody on the panel here has anything they want to bring up, uh, this is going to be the chance because this is my last talking point of the day. Uh, there were a lot of dance references, which were just also, I thought, heavy handed because we get it. Steve and Peggy wanted to dance. They got their <laughs> dance at the end of Endgame. Like you're really making sure that... Uh, Everybody watched it. Hey, Janelle, in the comment section, Comic Book Nation co-host Janelle Wheeler also has a great Twitch channel. Uh, suggest supporting her on that. Uh, Bucky almost fell off the mountain. I understood that reference, obviously, from Captain America, the first Avenger. Bucky fell to his not death. Uh, Black Widow could never. Bucky says, you almost ripped my arm off. And that's a reference to Bucky losing his arm. So I'm sure there's more than that. I just... Uh, I don't know. It's it's so obvious that there's the obvious parallels. Like, are we just going to list off all the things? Yeah, probably next week. But I don't know. I don't feel like doing it today. <laughs> oh, I, I think uh, Kofi had mentioned this earlier in, in the comment section. And I think it's a, it, he brings up a good point where I think the success or failure of what of the individual what if episodes are mm-hmm. if you can buy into the premise. Right. And, it, or, and, and like or if the premise at all is of interest to you. Right. And so like and so if it's not, then like, OK, then you're out, then you don't then you don't care no matter what happens. Right. Uh, but if you but if you're captured by the premise, which is why I think episode three is, is so interesting. And it's also why I think Marvel may have done themselves a disservice by showing too much in trailers, mm-hmm. because now we we know what some of these some of these situations are and so we already are just like oh maybe i'll care about that one or maybe i, I won't care and that's why i think like episode three is such a, a fresh surprise that um 
like you, you didn't see it coming in any of the promo material that I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I can get by. And it's a great premise. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can get behind this one. There's a really good surprise in episode two as well. The, uh, yes. I mean, the, the, that's a more cameo surprise. Maybe just for me. Maybe, maybe because yes. that's, I love that. But uh, it's not Nova. It's, no, it's not Nova. Nova is not an episode <laughs> two of What If. I know that's going to be the first thing everybody thinks. No, uh, but there is something that I really enjoyed about episode two in addition to everything else I enjoyed about episode two. Jenna, have you watched the, you've watched the first three, right? I have not. No. Oh, okay. All right. Well then I'll see myself out. Um, but yeah. So, uh, I mean, do we want to like all put numbers on it out of 10 or do we want to just skip that part? It's a solid six for me, I think. And I feel like that's like harsh. this first episode is probably a six for me. And again, like it's not that I thought it was bad. It just, I didn't think it was particularly interesting. And I like, I like some of the ideas it plays mm-hmm. with. I would love to see more Captain Carter. I think that's a great way to kind of like revitalize um, the, the Peggy Carter character in a way that, um, that works. But like all of the other character, like uh, how all the other characters reacted in this episode, like I don't care if we see them or don't see them again. That's, that's where I was at. It felt like there was not a lot of stakes. You know, like I do want to see Captain Carter. I think the suit looked great. I think Haley Atwell will do that really well. I imagined watching her kicking those Hydra Nazi asses in, in live action. And I was like, this would be so sick. Mm-hmm. But it was in this animation form. And I had no attachment really because of how quickly I it mean, was moving. I would love to see more Ross Marquandas Red Skull yes. uh, too. Like, that was that. also very good. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's all I like. About it. I will also say the skinny Steve voice actor that was not Chris Evans did a much better job than I was expecting. <laughs> like I was worried going in there because like the not Tony in the in that one trailer, like really, really just set me off. But like this guy did a pretty decent job. Like I bought that this was skinny Steve. So I, I think he like did way better than he could have. There's an episode two character that's not the MCU actor. And it kind of took me out. Jim, right? Don't you? Did you? Yes. I, I, for me, the, the not MCU actors are kind of jarring. I think the not Chris Evans, which I, 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 you know what? I need to, I need to credit this person. So continue. <laughs> I don't want to just refer to the actor as not Chris Evans. I want to give them the proper was that, credit. Was that was that Dominic Cooper in? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that I do love Dominic Cooper. Same, but I'm a big Mama Mia fan. Oh, it was uh, Josh <laughs> Keaton. Okay, shout out to Josh Keaton. Yeah. Not Chris Evans. Uh, <laughs> you did a good job. I feel I feel like a dick just saying like, yeah, not Chris Evans. Like, give this guy some respect. I'm he, getting he flashbacks hard. to Wonder Woman '84 when we were just like, not Steve Trevor, like other Steve Trevor. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. deserved that though. Yeah, that was more deserving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I anyway. would like to just shout out Jeffrey Wright because I'm a big, big Jeffrey Wright fan. I have been since I was like in high school, and he's just like the per- has the perfect voice for this for this role and it just when he speaks it's like butter is being slathered into my ears and body (laughs) and i'm just really stoked about that Uh, i have a fun story one time jeffrey wright walked past me and went nice tat and i still don't know what tattoo he was referring to but it was pretty cool (laughs) wow (laughs) just wait till everybody sees your your wandavision tattoos and everything once we get back to in person stuff i know look at that look at richard put her on the big screen look at that look at that art (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yo, that is sick. I I did think Jeffrey Wright did a great job, like in a Rod Sterling esque kind of role. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what made me appreciate it even more. It was like, it was that was, that made this, that made it a lot of fun. He didn't even really do anything in the first episode. (laughs) 
No, but just that opening narration or whatever, it's like that's his voice. Yeah. It just it gets you in the mood, man. I mean, I agree. He's a good voice for the watcher, and I hope he becomes a live action watcher one way or another. But I mean, it was kind of like we're hyping up Jeffrey Wright as a watcher, and then he has like three lines in this first episode. I was like, wait a second. We want more of that. I want more of that. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, he, we have an interview with Jeffrey Wright on the comicbook.com YouTube channel. It's available now. You should watch it. He does. He, he Jeffrey Wright knows a lot about that character, which I think is really fun and I appreciate it. And uh, I do think he's going to interfere eventually. I, I, I think he's uh, going to get involved. Oh, that's, that's breaking the rules. He can't do that. He can't break. The uh, rules. How many times has he broken the rules in comics, Jim? Zero? No, fake news. Uh, I think like only once. So, <laughs> no. Wait, wait. With the fact that like he made a point in the like right away to be like I will not interfere. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what we call a foreshadowing. Yeah, hey, you about to say psych? <laughs> uh, but I think that's a good way to wrap up today's show. So if you are watching us on Twitch, make sure you hit the follow button. If you're watching us on Facebook, um, I don't know, do whatever you do on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and if you're listening to us in podcast form, leave us good reviews, tweet the links to our shows, screenshot it, tag us on Instagram. We love it when you do that. It's a free share. It's a free retweet. We love self-promotion and we love supporting the phase zero community supporting us. So thanks for that in advance. Uh, Jenna, any parting words? Um, nope. Just follow me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. Aaron, hit us with your farewell. You can find me at Summit Lake Hornet on Twitter and uh, happy, what is it, like the, is it the 20th anniversary of Nickelodeon or is it the 30th wow. anniversary of Nickelodeon today? It's so, got to oh, yeah. because yeah, I was 30. watching that as a kid. Go, yeah. go watch uh, some Doug and some Rugrats and stuff, y'all. It, yeah. it still holds up. It sure does. Jim Vizcaro, Mega Diaper chill. Babies, that one. <laughs> the one, the Fantastic Four parody. That's what you need to watch. <laughs> Jim, anything for the Phase Zero community on your way out the door? Uh, no, uh, uh, there's a there's a movie that opens up this weekend uh, called Coda. It's on Apple t- uh, TV Plus. Uh, go watch it. Uh, it's great. It's it's not a superhero movie. It's not any anything like that. Um, but it's probably you know uh, I'm a, I'm a bit biased, but probably one of my favorite movies of the year. So uh, go check it out. On that note, also Free Guys, one of my favorite movies of the year, and our audience will get a particular kick out of it. I'm not saying more than that. Jamie, your parting oh, words? Yeah. We'll talk about that oh, next my week. My parting words are, uh, it wouldn't be me if I didn't just mention the fact that even in animated fo- animation form, Bucky is clearly in love with Steve Rogers. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's my final party of that. We love you for it. Uh, that's today's show. You can hit me up at Brandon Davis BD. Go see Free Guy if you can do so. Uh, and we'll see you next week with full thoughts on Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. Let's go! All right, Richard, send us over. (laughs) 